Part two of Chapter one of Animal Ghosts. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This reading by Allison Hester of Athens, Georgia. Animal Ghosts by Elliot O'Donnell. Chapter one, part two that evening my father dropped dead as he was hastening home through the fields he had long suffered from heart disease after his death we that is to say my brother sisters and self were obliged to leave the house and go out into the world to earn our living we never went there again and never heard if any of the subsequent tenants experienced similar manifestations this is as nearly as I can recollect Mrs. Hartnell's story, but as it is a good many years since I heard it, there is just a possibility of some of the details, the smaller ones at all events, having escaped my memory. When I was grown up, I stayed for a few weeks near Oxenby and met, at a garden party, a Mr. and Mrs. Wheeler and the then occupants of the manor house. I asked if they believed in ghosts and told them i had always heard their house was haunted well they said we never believed in ghosts till we came to oxenby but we have seen and heard such strange things since we have been in the manor house that we are now prepared to believe anything they then went on to tell me that they and many of their visitors and servants had seen the phantasms of a very hideous and malignant old man clad in tight-fitting hosiery of medieval days and a maimed and bleeding big black cat that seemed sometimes to drop from the ceiling and sometimes to be thrown at them in one of the passages all sorts of queer sounds such as whinings meanings screeches clangings of pails and rattles of chains were heard whilst something no one could ever see distinctly but which they all felt to be indescribably nasty rushed up the cellar steps and flew past as if engaged in a desperate chase indeed the disturbances were of so constant and harrowing a nature that the wing had to be vacated and was eventually locked up the wheelers excavated in different parts of the haunted wing and found in the cellar at a depth of some eight or nine feet the skeletons of three men and two women whilst in the wainscoting of the passage they discovered the bones of a boy all of which remains they had properly interred in the churchyard according to local tradition handed down through many centuries by word of mouth the house originally belonged to a knight who with his wife was killed out hunting he had only one child a boy of about ten who became a ward in chancery the man appointed by the crown as guardian to this child proved an inhuman monster and after ill-treating the lad in every conceivable manner eventually murdered him and tried to substitute a bastard boy of his own in his place for a time the fraud succeeded but on its being eventually found out, the murderer and his offspring were both brought to trial and hanged. During his occupation of the house, many people were seen to enter the premises, but never leave them, and the place got the most sinister reputation. 
among other deeds credited to the murderer and his offspring was the mutilation and boiling of a cat the particular pet of the young heir who was compelled to witness the whole revolting process years later a subsequent owner of the property had a monument erected in the churchyard to the memory of this poor abused child and on the front of the house constructed the device of the cat though it is impossible to determine what amount of truth there may be in this tradition it certainly seems to accord with the hauntings and to supply some sort of explanation to them the ghostly head on the banisters might well be that of the low and brutal guardian whose spirit would be the exact counterpart of his mind the figure seen and noises heard in the passage point to the reenaction of some tragedy possibly the murder of the heir or the slaughter of his cat in either of which a bucket might easily have played a grimly significant part and if human murderers and their victims have phantasms why should not animals have phantasms too why should not the phenomenon of the cat seen by mrs hartnell and the wheelers have been the actual phantasm of an earthbound cat no amount of reasoning religious or otherwise has yet annihilated the possibility of all forms of earthly life possessing spirits letter from my wife i heard the foregoing account from my husband when i first met him years ago and i know it to be true i have seen the rooms etc in the old manor house oxenby where the incidents mrs hartnell mentions took place ada b o'donnell july second nineteen thirteen to further substantiate my views with regard to a future existence for animals i reproduce by permission of the editor the following letters and articles that have appeared from time to time in the occult review letter one that other cat one evening about four years ago i was in my drawing-room with two friends we were all standing up on the point of going to bed and only waiting till the old cook had succeeded in inducing the great persian cat to come in for the night this was sometimes difficult, and then the cook came up, as on this occasion, and called him from the balcony, and the French window was wide open when a cat rushed in at the window and through the door. What was that? we said, looking at one another. It was not Kitty, the gray Persian, but darker, and was it really a cat, or what? My friend Rugen has written the account of what she saw before seeing what I have said, iona confirms our description what i saw seemed dark and shadowy and yet unmistakably a cat it seemed to me like the predecessor of kitty which was a black persian he had the same habit of coming in at night by this window and he constantly rushed through the room and downstairs being in a hurry for his supper a moment or two afterwards the gray cat walked slowly in and though we searched the house we could find no other. Thanet. Letter 2. Fraulein Mullet's Story. Three or four years ago, Iona and I were sitting in the drawing room on a Sunday evening when Cook came in to ask for Kitty, a silver-gray Persian cat, to settle him in the kitchen for the night. 
Kitty was still in the garden, and Cook went to the balcony calling him. Suddenly, I saw a black cat flying in and disappearing behind or under a seat. First, I did not take much notice of this, but when a minute after Kitty slowly and solemnly stepped in, followed by Cook, it struck me that the dark something could not have been Kitty, and Thanet and Iona made the remark simultaneously. Now we began to look for the dark one all over the place without any result. Cook had not seen any cat passing her on the balcony, but Kitty, the gray one. Thanet had had a black Persian cat, which died before Kitty came. Rugen. Letter 3. I can entirely corroborate the accounts written by Thanet and Rugen. I remember that I saw something like a dark shadow move very quickly and disappear in front of a cottage piano. I exclaimed simultaneously with my friends, what was that? And shared their surprise when no black cat was found and the gray Persian walked in unconcernedly through the open window. Iona. Letter 4. What Kitty Saw Cook said, I wish you would come downstairs and see how strangely Kitty behaves as soon as I open the cupboard. There is nothing in it but the wood. I turned it all out to see what might be the reason. Not even a mouse hole can I find. Some days previously, Cook had told me that nothing could induce Kitty to sleep in his basket, and one day he would not eat any food in the kitchen, and his meals had to be given him outside so I went down to please Cook. Kitty was picked up, and while Cook petted and stroked him, she knelt down and opened the cupboard. Kitty, stretching his neck and looking with big frightened eyes into the cupboard's corner, suddenly turned round. Struggling out of Cook's hold and rushing over her shoulder, he flew out of the kitchen. Getting up, Cook said, that's always what he does, just as if he was seeing something horrible. Next day, I encouraged Cook to talk of Ruff, the former black cat, which had been a favorite of hers, and which she had been nursing when he was dying. Oh, poor thing! When he was ill, he would creep into dark corners, so I put him in his basket into the cupboard, making it very comfortable for him, and there he died, pointing to the very corner which caused such horror to Kitty. Rugen Letter 5. Captain Humphrey's Story, A Materialized Cat My son had the following experience at the age of four years in our Worcestershire home. He was an only child and spent much of his time in the company of a cat who shared his tastes and pursuits even to the extent of fishing in the river weir with him, the cat being far more proficient at the sport than the boy. When the cat died, we, none of us, dared to break the news to the child, and we were much surprised when he asked us to say why his cat only came to play with him at nights nowadays. When we questioned him about it, he stoutly maintained that his cat was there in bodily form every night after he went to bed, looking much the same, but a little thinner. At about the same age, one evening, after being in bed one hour, I heard him cry out, and going upstairs, his maid also heard and ran up, and asking him what was the matter, he said that an old gentleman with a long gray beard like his grandfather came into his room and stood at the front of his bed. At the very moment, 
the former had a seizure in his carriage while driving through the streets of birmingham from which he died without regaining consciousness later on he recognized a photograph of his grandfather as being the person he saw at the foot of his bed my wife the maid and myself can vouch for the accuracy of these statements also friends to whom we have related these facts munster letter six mrs e j ellis's story the old woman's cat my wife writes mr ellis who was brought up in germany and who was not sufficiently confident about her english to attempt to put down anything for publication in that language tells me the following story for the occult review when i was a little girl living with my family near Mickelstadt in the Odenwald, I remember an old woman, like an old witch, whose name was Louise, and who was called Fifey Louise, because she exhibited pipes for sale in her cottage window, along with the cheap dress stuffs, needles and threads, and simple toys for children, which were her stock in trade. She had a favorite cat, which was devoted to her, but its attachment doesn't seem to have been enough to make her happy, for she married a young sergeant named Lautenschlager, who might have been her son, or indeed her grandson, and who, as everyone said, courted her for money. She died as long ago as 1869, and during her last illness, the devoted cat was always with her. It kept watch beside the body when she was dead and refused to be driven away. In a fit of exasperation, Lautenschlager seized it, carried it off, and drowned it in the little river Mumling at a place where the road from Mickelstadt to the neighboring village Steinbeck runs near the water's edge. It was bordered with poplars then, but chestnut trees shade it now. Soon after his first wife was buried, Lautenschlager married again and opened an eating house in Steinbeck, where he established his second wife. He had a sister, whom he placed in the cottage of poor Fifey Louise. She carried on the business, and every day Lautenschlager used to walk over from Steinbeck to see how she was getting on, returning in the evening to his wife who used to relate to my mother that he frequently came home terrified and bathed in perspiration, for as he passed the place where he had drowned the cat, its ghost used to come out of the river and run beside him along the dark road, sometimes terrifying him still more by jumping in front of him. After a few years of married life, the second wife died, and Lautenschlager married a third. The little cottage business had prospered, and in its place he now had a considerable draper's shop in Mickelstadt. He continued to walk over from Steinbeck, where now the third wife lived in the eating house, and the ghost of the cat continued to frighten him by appearing at nightfall as he walked beside the river. I can remember hearing his third wife describe the dread of it, and my mother has told me how both the sister and the second wife used to say the same thing, though I was too young then for them to tell me about it. Lautenschlager used to complain to the country people who came to dine at his eating house. He considered himself an ill-used man, and felt that the supernatural powers were treating him very hardly and subjecting him to a real persecution. 
I have only the conversation of his wife and the gossip of the village to vouch for his sincerity, and the genuineness of the apparition is supported only by Lautenschlager's word, but his evident anger and agitation were accepted as genuine, and no one dreamed of doubting his word. He was not at all a dreamy or imaginative man, and did not drink. His passion was merely momentary. He was not only a draper and a caterer, but a usurer, and realized something of a fortune by lending money on good security to peasants and farmers who, it was said, did not consider how they bound themselves when they signed the papers he put before them. Lautenschlager continued to be haunted by the cat ghost at irregular intervals for more than twenty years, and it made a marked change in his character. He became serious, and during the latter part of his life would only talk about religion and read sacred literature. He died about ten years ago. Feline Letter 7. A Spectral Fox Terrier Two or three years ago, I visited a medium, Mrs. Davies of 44 Laburnum Grove, Portsmouth. I had been seated only a few minutes when a little pug dog of hers looked up in the direction of my knees and down towards my feet, growling and howling in a most strange manner. What on earth is he looking at? I exclaimed. Oh, said the medium, there is a little fox terrier lying across your feet. One half of his face is quite dark, and the other half white. But he has such a peculiar black patch over the eye that one would almost think it was a black bruise. Now, sir, I had such a little dog in India, but this lady did not know of him, and would never have known had he not, as I afterwards found, died out there. This is not only a case of the appearance of an animal after death, but also a case in which it was seen by another animal, as also by the medium. I am also told that the pug dog, who had this vision of my dog, was once seen to pounce upon what seemed to be the medium, several cats, near the copper in the scullery of the same house. The medium asked the neighbor if the previous occupants had had any cats. Oh, yes, replied the neighbor, and badly the poor things were served, for they were cruelly thrown into the copper, which was full of boiling water. Simla Letter 8. Killed by a street car, but walks in at the front door. Some five years ago, we had a little puppy, about six months old. I used to train him to always go around the back way to come into the house. One day he got hurt and run over, being instantly killed by a street car. A day or two after the accident, I was going in my front door, and I saw the dog go up the steps in front of me, as plain as I ever saw him in my life. It seemed he knew that I had taught him he must not go in the front way, because he would go a few steps and then turn round and look at me, as though he wanted to see how I was taking it and I positively saw him go to the full length of the hall into the house, a distance of about twenty feet, before he disappeared. I saw him do this at least three times in two months that we stayed in a flat. I told at least half a dozen people of the incident at the time it happened, and I can vouch for its authenticity. I remain yours truly, Malgelton. Letter 9 
Mrs. Vincent Taylor's Experience, A Spirit Purr. One evening in February 1906, my son and I were quietly reading, in full gaslight, our small gray cat lying on the sofa a short distance from where I sat. Suddenly, I saw on my knee a large red and white cat which belonged to us in India, which was a very dear family friend and as fond of us as a child. On leaving India, we were obliged to give him to a friend, and in the end he shared the usual fate of pets in that country, making a meal for some wild animal. Rufi Ufi, in his spirit shape, purred vigorously, rubbing his head against me and giving every sign of delight at seeing us again. I did not speak, but in a few minutes my son looked up and said, Mother, Rufi Ufi is on your knee when the spirit cat jumped down and went to him to be petted. Then he returned to me and walked along the sofa to where our present cat, Kim, was asleep. The spirit cat, with a look of almost human fun, patted Kim's head, the latter awaking with a start. Rufi Ufi continued to make playful dabs at Kim's ears, Kim following each movement with glaring eyes, distinctly seeing and realizing that another cat was invading his sofa, but not in the least angry with him and quite ready to play. After a few minutes, the spirit cat came back to my knee, whereupon the earth cat displayed jealousy, which Rufi Ufi resented, but before they came to actual words, the spirit cat retired behind the veil. Arjuna Letter 10. Sir. The following notes of psychological experiences with animals may be of interest. I had a collie who lived to a good old age. She was deaf and infirm, and one hind leg was paralyzed, so that it dragged as she walked. I was taken ill, not seriously, nor so as in any way to affect my brain, but as my poor old dog would insist on coming and lying in my room, the doctor insisted on her being destroyed. I felt that her life was no pleasure to her, and she was killed with chloroform. Three days afterwards in the afternoon, I heard her come upstairs with her dragging hind leg. I heard her steps along the long passage which had my room at the end, and lost them about halfway up. On the third day, I called her and spoke to her, putting out my hand, as if she would come and put her head under it, and told her all was right. I never heard her any more. I believe that on one occasion she told me by thought transference that she had no water in her pan. The pan was always filled, and I knew that she wanted something, but thought of all other wants but water she made her eyes protrude and looked at me intently and water flashed into my mind i looked and found the pan empty it is of course possible that the suggestion came from my own subconscious mind i never saw the aura of a human being but i once had a kind vision of this dog which experts have told me was her aura i was sitting by the fire somewhat somnolent and he was lying on the hearth rug all at once his golden brown coat disappeared and i saw a mass of reddish brown or perhaps i should say brownish red and on one side of it was an irregular patch of fleecy white bordered with sapphire blue 
I was told that the brownish red represented the dog's animal instincts, the pearly white, his animal innocence, and the sapphire blue, his devotional instinct. In his case, directed to me as his deity. Whether any of your readers have had similar experiences and explained them similarly, I do not know. I had to go abroad one summer, and my dog was ill with eczema and as i did not very much trust the maid i was leaving in charge i sent him to the vet to be treated as soon as i reached my destination i wrote to a friend to go and inquire how he was she replied that the dog was perfectly miserable and that he had an enormous wound on his back that he had eaten nothing for a week that he was too weak to stand and that if he were hers she would have him put out of his misery at once I wrote at once to the vet, telling him to telegraph curable or hopeless, and to act accordingly. Meanwhile, I sat that afternoon in the Burger Park by myself, and imagined the dog upon my lap, and myself stroking and healing him. After this, I found myself fully believing that he would get better. The telegram I received was curable, and my friend wrote a second letter and said it was a miracle, for the dog was quite convalescent. He recovered perfectly. Here again, however, it may have been that he was breaking his heart for a friend, and that my friend's visit cheered him, or may not both causes have had their effect. Ambrose Zale Martin End of Part 2 of Chapter 1